game. What a game for Sparty. Tigers got a new manager. It's Brad Ausmus. We'll debate what his impact will be to the Tigers. We're talking wings. What's their take and how are they going to affect? And pulling and hazing the NFL. Do we have a problem with it? We'll debate on the Pats. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is the Pat. And your host, Fino. That's right, everyone. Fino's back. Good evening from Holden Hall, East Lansing, Michigan. Fino alongside at 701 Eastern Time. I'm here with Harry Jaden. You know, Austin Goodman. Faith Grigalecki. And of course, our producer slash panelist, my boy, Ludovizio. Uh, guys, we're back. It's our fourth show already. Could you believe it? Uh, I remember when we all started. Well, it's a big day um, and a big night. Michigan State, what a game. 29-6 for, you know, Michigan State Spartans. And, guys, they haven't allowed a touchdown in three games. Pretty impressive, right? I've never seen that happen. Tigers got a new manager. Brad Ausmus, thoughts of that. He's young. He's 43. Another catcher getting hired now in major leagues. I loved that. And, of course... The Red Wings. We haven't spoken about Detroit at all recently. Detroit now, they lose four in a row. They win three in a row. Turn up. Detroit's back. And, of course, bullying and hazing the NFL. A very serious case with Jonathan Martin leaving the team and Richie Incognito suspended indefinitely by the Dolphins. This is a serious case. A lot of allegations coming out. And we'll debate the difference between bullying, the difference between hazing, and whether this should be tolerated and accepted in the NFL, and should Roger Goodell do something about it? I mean, we'll debate later in the show. But first, let's talk about this big game. Massive game for Michigan State. They win. They're 8-1. and one. They're undefeated in the Big Ten. They are leading the Legends division. So we first talk. No touchdowns allowed in three games. Michigan State's defense dominant again. But my place, which I loved, personally, was the offense being stable. The ground and pound is back, as Michigan State needs, and they looked good. They looked good, Faith. What'd you think? I absolutely think they looked good. Defense has been solid all year round, but it was a stellar performance. This stellar time. performance, but let me ask you this. Now, is Michigan State the team to beat in the Big Ten? I do believe so. Oh, so better than Ohio State. Ohio State does look good, Faith. Of course they look good, Mm -hmm. but I think we could give a run. So what does this mean for Michigan? That's where we debate now. I know this is a Michigan State sports-based show here in East Lansing, basement of Holden Hall, but my take is this. What does this mean for University of Michigan? They're 6-2. and Now, is their season essentially over? Can they make it to a bowl that they want to make it to? They need a hope for losses from Michigan State, guys. But here's my thing, Austin Goodman. Michigan State has a bye, which is, I think, a good thing. But the following week, they play Nebraska. At Nebraska, at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, a place where they have never won. Michigan State has never won at Nebraska. Does Michigan State lose this game? I don't think they're going to lose the game. I think they have so much momentum right now. We haven't had a Michigan State University football team that has been this put together since Kirk Cousins was a, Kirk Cousins was our quarterback. They look dominant. They absolutely look dominant. They as I said on the pact last Monday, and I will quote myself right here. I said amongst the rest of the team here, 
that MSU's defense was going to entirely shut down Devin Gardner. And they did. And they are going to continue to shut down offenses because Michigan State's defense is one of the best in the nation. And do not forget that. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I'll, you know, remind the viewers, Michigan State sacking Devin Gardner seven times. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And I'll give Austin Goodman credit. Everyone, East Lansing, local population, he did say that. He did say Michigan State's defense will look good. How are you, Harry? How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you tonight? It's dark out now. Daylight savings time. Good weekend. Happy Halloween. Good Halloween. Yeah, great Halloween. Better Halloween for Michigan State, huh? Phenomenal. It was it was great watching the game and just seeing those guys out there having fun, just playing to their capability, and you could really see it in their eyes. It looked like we had 30 defenders out there compared to U of M's 11 players. We were in the backfield living, living back there, and Gardner couldn't get anything going, so that was great. That's a good game. I mean, Devin Gardner got absolutely nothing going, but we'll continue on that. We have a special guest on the line. I'm going to bring him on. You're on the pack. This is Fino. Who is calling? This is Larry Caper. Larry Caper, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Doing excellent. Now, um, I'm alongside with, you know, Harry, Austin, Faith, and our producer slash panelist, Lou DeVizio. And, Larry, we wanted to ask you, what did you think about this game last weekend? Um, honestly, I thought it was expected. Uh, I mean, I, I thought we were going to put more points on the board. It should have been more of a blowout, but, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, a great game. And, you know, a lot of our panelists... You know, we're bringing this up and, you know, all the emotions in a rivalry game and playing against a team like Michigan, you know, Paul Bunyan trophies back and he's landing. As a former player, how was it like playing against Michigan in such a highly emotional game? Um, yeah, it, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether you're an undefeated team or you have a losing record, I mean, when Michigan comes around, your focus changes a little bit. Um, a little bit more hype than usual, a little bit more focus than usual. And I mean... If you win the game, you have bragging rights for a year. So, I mean, you won the game. So, definitely, everybody will walk in the street talking to, to all the Michigan fans. So, it, it's a great feeling. How you doing, Larry? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Now, I just want to ask you, you know, as a former player from MSU, how intense is that rivalry in the mind of the players? Like, what do you guys think going into that game? Um, for us, it's just to dominate. Um, for guys that are from Michigan, there's a little bit more to it because are you – are around our Michigan fans or Michigan State fans, one or the other, whether they're family or not. Uh, for that week, you hate your family that, that loves Michigan. I remember I had, I had an uncle who wanted us to lose, but wanted me to have a good game against Michigan. I was like, no, we got to have both. I have to have a good game, and we have to beat Michigan. So he didn't talk to me for a week. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. <laughs> All right, thanks. Hey, Larry. Uh, now, I want you to put yourself in Fitz Tucson's position, because obviously you were running back here with MSU. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't hear. Uh, can you hear me now? I want you to put yourself in Fitz Tucson's position. I'm sorry, you're really, you're really breaking up. I can't hear anything you're saying. Fitz Tucson's position is a former running back with MSU. Uh, what is it like going up against a defense that even if you have ever played against a defense so dominant, what do you think every time you get a snap that what goes through your mind when you play such a tough D? Um, we play a tough team like that or a tough defense like that. I mean, get positive yardage. I mean, you're not looking to get a big play because you're looking to get a big play because you're running east and west instead of north and south. And I mean, with the fast defense like we have, I mean, you don't want to do that. I and mean, we, we play against them every day in practice. We scrimmage against them and whatnot, but 
I mean, they're, they're definitely Trevor's definitely one of the best. So, Larry, what's up? This is Harry talking. How you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Phenomenal weekend. So I was doing my thing on Twitter this weekend, and I saw a video on Instagram of Mark D'Antonio, and he was celebrating in the locker room, singing Rich Homie Quan some type of way with the guys, <laughs> just having a great time. He knew the words. I really respect that. But how is it playing for a coach that can celebrate a big win like that rather than just say, oh, it was just another game, rather than and, and just kick back with you guys for a little bit? I mean, that, that's how college football is supposed to be. I mean, it's, you're supposed to be serious, like, in the NFL, it's all business, but, mm-hmm. I mean, and in college, you're with your brothers and your coaches just like someone that, that's a father figure to everybody that's there. So, I mean, for him to, to dance, to type away in the locker room, I mean, <laughs> we had that same type of feeling after Wisconsin, we beat them in all overtime. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a big game. Last year, yeah, we did the same thing, but we just didn't have the music to it. But, <laughs> I mean, that definitely brought a smile to my face when I was at work and I watched it. Definitely, definitely. And also, it's it's my opinion that for us to take the next step as a program, we have to move on past the Michigan game because we have been dominating that recently and start thinking of bigger things and kind of do what Michigan has done to us in the past where they kind of minimize our importance and we have to put more importance on games against bowl games, maybe the Rose Bowl, stuff like that. How right. do you as a team uh, move on past this win, focus on next week, and try to reach that ultimate goal of winning the Big Ten championship? Uh, definitely. Um I remember last year we always had a saying, go 1-0 for the week. Mm-hmm. So anything that happened in the past is in the past, man. What's going to happen in the future, I mean, that's pretty much in our hands, and it depends on what we do this week. So if we go 1-0 this week, I mean, uh, our future looks pretty bright. So as long as we keep that same mindset, it'll, it'll be just fine. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks. Well, so, Larry, as Harry mentioned, you know, playing for Coach D'Antonio, he's really – into his players, but you know, my question is, as a former player, how is playing for Coach D'Antonio? You, you know, you mentioned that's how college football is supposed to be, but really coming down to it, how is Coach D like behind the scenes? Um, pretty much, the rubber meets the road. I feel like I mean, Coach D just wants you to just put put in a lot of effort. I mean, he just wants to see guys running around, flying around to the ball, and, and having fun. Um, he doesn't want to put too much pressure on the guys to, to make plays. But he believes that if you have the right effort and you 100%, plays will come. So, I mean, playing for a coach like that, if you just play hard, good things will happen. So, that's pretty good. Yeah. All right, Larry, what do you, now you've seen the Spartans play. What do you think their future is for the rest of the season? What do you predict to happen? Um, I predict them to win out. I mean, they, they should win out and they make it to the, to the Big Ten championship game. And most likely play Ohio State, so. I mean, I can look ahead to the future because I mean, I'm not I'm not playing anymore. But for those guys, I, w- I would tell them just to just focus on this next win. But I'll fight that they'll win they'll win out the rest of the season. Now, Larry, keeping the focus on this year's MSU team, you played with Kirk Cousins, who's one of the best MSU quarterbacks ever. And obviously, Connor Cook is no Kirk Cousins. But what do you, what have you seen from him, and what are you seeing as he grows as a quarterback? I'm sorry. Every time you talk, I can't hear you. <laughs> 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 Connor Cook as a quarterback what what have you seen from him as he's growing obviously he's no Kirk Cousins the man you played under but what have you seen from him so far and how are how do you think he's persevering so far this season 
Okay, I'm trying to put the pieces together. You're talking about uh, Connor Cook, right? Quarterback? Yeah, he's mentioning Connor Cook, and, you know, how does he comp- You know, he's no Kirk Cousins, but, you know, how did, how is he looking, in your opinion, so far? And obviously, okay. he's no Kirk, but how do you think he's managing the offense? You know, the offense is really starting to come together. What have you made so far, The you know, how they're playing? Um, I, I like Connor. I like Connor a lot. I mean, Kirk Cousins, he was more of a technician. He, he would do all the little things right. I mean, Connor may not do those little things right, but he takes a lot of chances on the field. He tries to make big plays. So you see him a lot of times scrambling off the pocket, rolling around, running around, trying to make, trying to make plays, something out of nothing. So, I mean, that's definitely an asset that, that, that Connor has, and that's what I like about it. Definitely, definitely. And also, I had a question about Taylor Luan. A couple years back, we had an incident with Golston and Denard Robinson where Golston had a little extracurricular activity after the play, and Luan kind of did the same thing this year. What do you think about that, and how do you view that as a former player? Do you think it's just the rivalry, or do you think they cross the line? Does he deserve to be suspended or not? He's not being suspended by Brady Hoke, but what do you think about that whole situation? Um, just like Will's situation, I, I love it. I mean, it, it's part of football, and I mean, only men play football. So, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, Emotions will get high, egos will get to you. So, I mean, you might have fights in the field. I mean, I've seen fights that are worse than that. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just something that happens. So, I mean, in the public's eye, it might look like something that may be serious, but it's really not that serious to me. I mean, it's just it's just part of the game. Yep. And also, after a game like that, when you go off the field, do you shake the uh, the U of M players' hands? Do you guys have that mutual respect for each other, or is it kind of a deep rooted hate? Um, ah, that's a thin line. I mean. You, you shake hands, but it's like, I really don't want to shake hands with you type of shake hands. You yeah, know I mean? yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I, I have to there. do it, but I, I really don't want to, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how that goes. Hey, Larry, it's Austin coming at you. So I have a couple questions for you, actually. Uh, first things first, Michigan State University has the most resources I've seen in a university in a long time, they get their students to go to the next level, even if they are athletes, even if they are a part of social clubs, even if they are in the marching band. For you individually, how do you think you benefited from Michigan State University on the student aspect away from the athletic aspect? Um, away from the athletic aspect, I would just say this network. When we have so many student athletes that are somewhere else in a different profession other than sports that – it, it was just, you, you can see it when you go to, like, the banquets and whatnot or you see the, the alumni come back for the games and just sitting down and talking to them and them being open and candid about, about themselves. I mean, that, 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 that's the best part. I mean, it's invaluable because you get to sit there and talk to people who've been in your shoes, but now they made a transition to the real world. So, I mean, that's what I've done. Uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of the alumni and whatnot to, to set things up for the future. Absolutely. So from a perspective of an alumni, an alumnus of this university, and a pretty awesome athlete while you were here, what do you think you can tell to freshmen, sophomores, listening to the pact right now? What can you tell them about going out at Michigan State University and just exploring in life? What advice do you have for these kids? Um, uh, a friend of mine, he told me that if you'll be a man longer than you'll be a football player. So... You only have a short time to be a football player, so you should be able to have fun and enjoy those things. But at the same time, have the future in mind. You have like like just one eye looking into the future. So make sure every step that you're taking, you're taking towards your future. But at the same time, you're enjoying the moment. So you have to be mature enough to to difference between the two. 
Absolutely. So my final question for you is, and I like to ask this to a lot of different athletes, and I, I, I ask it to myself, honestly, who inspires you the most out of your entire life? Whether it be your parents, whether it be a friend, whether it be some random person that you had a five-minute conversation with on the corner of Wilson and Shaw one day, what do you think, or on the corner of Wilson and Chestnut, sorry about that, um, what do you, who is that person? That person would have to definitely be my father. Um, he, he's been through a lot. Uh, I don't always look to guys that have everything they, they need, like naturally, like in, in the physical, like they have a nice car, a nice house, and whatnot. But I look at the guys that had to go through a situation, go through a tough situation, and still came on the other side smiling. And that's my dad for sure. So, I, mean, I try to take some of those characteristics he has and then instill them in my life and, and try to model the way I walk in my life like he does. Absolutely. I would like to say that I model after my father as well. And, you know, I respect that 100%. Thank you very much for uh, answering as in-depth as you did with us today. Yeah, no problem. Now, Larry, what do you miss most about playing MSU football? Uh, I don't miss the games. I don't miss practice. I don't miss anything, really. The only thing I really miss is being around my teammates, the brotherhood, the camaraderie that we had. Um, being around them makes the games better. Being around them made practice better. Being around them just made going to five thirty workouts better. So just having that community feeling or that brotherhood with them, that's 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 what I miss most. Of course, that's what you always get with a team. Yeah. Larry Terry again. But yeah, that's definitely one of the most underrated sp- uh, things about playing a sport. I also have a question. While you're at MSU you wore the jersey number twenty two, does that have any significance or was that just thrown at you? For sure. That was my dad's number in uh in college. He okay. that in college, and I, I picked it up where he left off. Nice, nice. Where did he play at? He played at Western Michigan. Okay, awesome, awesome. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Well, Larry, um, I know for I'm speaking on behalf of all the panelists, but we really enjoyed your time here on The Pact. We wish you the best, and, of course, we're wishing the best for Michigan State football. Thanks again for coming on. We really enjoyed your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Larry. Take care. Yeah, bye. So, Larry Caper, guys, and a phenomenal guy, shared some really, you know, Really in-depth stories, as Austin mentioned, you know, even to you, Harry, his father, he played, he's a Bronco, he may not be a Spartan, but he respects the game, and I think there's one thing we can see out of that interview, is that Larry Caper's absolute class, he doesn't, I was actually surprised though, Faith, to, you know, when he answered your question was, I was kind of taken back, mm-hmm. he didn't miss the game, yes. he didn't miss the practices, but he really missed being around his teammates. Mm-hmm. And there's something that your teammates give you support. They encourage you. They make you the best person you could possibly be. And I think that I totally understand that. But I would also miss the game as well. I mean, you know, you know. How about you, Harry? You know, you play right now a collegiate sport. He plays varsity tennis here at Michigan State. How do you feel around your teammates? I love my teammates. My teammates. It's a cliche that's always used, but yeah. they're like they're like brothers to me. I mean, staying in the same hotel room, those eight-hour trips, those nine-hour trips to Iowa or Nebraska because we drive. But, yeah, and I can relate to the fact, I wouldn't say that I don't miss anything outside of the teammates, but I can relate to the fact that he doesn't miss the practices and the workouts and stuff because it's tough working so hard for so long. Over the years, it kind of wears on you, and it feels more like a job. But the competing aspect of it, when you get in that game situation and you, you really see your, your, the fruits of your labor, that's definitely, that's definitely when it pays off. I mean, I agree. I mean, Lou, I wouldn't want to miss a 5.30 a.m. workout either. I mean, <laughs> I barely go for runs as it is, but 5.30 in the morning, I'm still sleeping nice and sound. That's true, but I'd say the motivation to go to those things 
as Larry said, it comes from your teammates. Me, I getting up at five thirty to run. I don't get up, get up at noon to run. Yeah, I, I don't run. I but do. <laughs> if my teammates were to call me up and say, "Let's all hey, run Lou, together," we're going on a run. I'd be thrilled to do it because it's what it is. It's going. It's persevering through those tough things that you don't want to do with your teammates that really make the bond greater. If you guys all sat around watching football and eating popcorn, that's just fun stuff. It doesn't grow that bond. It's going to battle with those guys and doing stuff that you don't want to do out of your comfort zone, and you know that they're also in the same boat as you. That's what brings you guys together. I think there's one thing we can take away from this interview, Austin, is Larry Caper not only is a family man, but he's a man of his teammates, and you can say that he's a man of the people. Number 22, and you said it, he has a bond with his father, and you know you mentioned your bond with your father, and I think that's pretty pretty special when he mentions that. And he opens up to the extent of what it says, what it says to us, and what it says to Michigan Staters, and what does it say to fans around East Lansing? Honestly, it says that we are a tight knit community here at Michigan State University. Even though we have a massive number of students that go to this university, a massive number of people that are associated, whether they be staff or helping or any kind of situation, administrator, professor, Michigan State University has a beautiful opportunity for every single one of its students to learn about having a family, connecting with the people around you, networking with professionals later on in life, and ultimately giving you that bond with a friend that you could have for the rest of your life, clearly stated through Larry Caper. It's unbelievable, and that's so well said. And there's one thing here we can say. We all love this university, and like the Michigan State slogan, Spartans will. We'll take that leading to our break, and we'll liaison into our next discussion. After the break, we're talking Tiger's new manager. His name is Brad Osmus. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we, uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could, uh... Would you ever want to, um... I was wondering if you... If I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. That's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No! Don't touch me! What's wrong with you? Oh, sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Studies show that three-quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. That is right. We are back on the Pact alongside his panelist, host of 88.9 The Pact, live from 7 8 every Monday, same time, same place, you know where to find us. And guys, we're talking about Tiger's got a new manager, and he's a young gun faith, you like him. I like him. He likes him. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, it's Brad Osmus. He's a 43-year-old, former catcher, notably for Houston, he played his real core you know, MLB ball, 
And Tigers go young here, and there's not a lot of times where a manager can come in, adapt a team that has been to three straight ALCSs. That's a very good team. They're not rebuilding, and this is something he said at the presser was that not a lot of managers come into a situation like I'm coming into. A lot of managers come into a rebuilding process. A lot of managers come into something uncertainty, what you know, whatsoever. And as far as I'm concerned, the last manager I know, he also was a former catcher that came into a very good situation, was current Cardinals manager Mike Matheny. And Faith, he looks good. You said he looks good. And more importantly, he's got a good baseball strategy. And is he a good fit for the Tigers? We're going to debate this right now. Well, I think it's kind of different going from Leland, who's definitely an older gentleman, to yeah, <laughs> as, a younger uh, gun almost. Absolutely, to Osmus, and I'm I'm interested to see what he'll bring to the team this year. He was a former catcher, and so I'm thinking maybe he'd be a rejuvenation for the team. Maybe he'll actually lead us to the World Series next year. Here's my thing, though. Look at how former catchers play in the MLB. There's two other former catchers that are managers now that come to mind. I just mentioned Mike Matheny. And now I'm mentoring Joe Girardi, who has a World Series ring. And, you know, he's young. And that's the thing. And these guys are young coming in. And Joe Girardi is a former NL manager of the year. And he got fired by Jeffrey Loria. Jaden, we were talking about this off air. Jeffrey Loria is insane. Marlins Mm. owner. But, Lou, do you like the hire? Faith likes it. I personally do like the hire. I think this is what the Tigers need. Get a little rejuvenation like Faith was talking about. I really do. I do love the hire. And I think... I don't think it could be overstated the fact that he's a catcher. No managerial experience, you know, that's it's a little questionable to some people and I I can sympathize with that, but former catchers really know the game. I know anyone who listens to Tigers baseball here in the state of Michigan, they know Jim Price is their color guy and every single second Jim Price jokes around, he says catchers are geniuses. But catchers really are geniuses. And let's look at Alex Avila. Alex Avila. There is no way that a hitter would be able to last as long as Alex Avila did with a 171 average, other than the fact that we need him behind the plate. Look at our starting pitching staff. Why are they so successful? Alex Avila, huge part of that. And so I think the fact that he's a catcher can't be overstated. Another former catcher turned manager, Joe Torre. That's right, Joe Torre. One of the best. What about Yogi Berra as well? I mean, it, I mean, the list goes on and on. It does, and I think, and I think the fact that he's got the old English D in his blood too, that... That's going to help out. I think there's no debating here, guys, that we look at it and we say, look, catchers make great baseball managers. Lou mentioned Torrey. I'm mentioning, you know, Girardi, Barra. And Barra was an okay manager, but nevertheless a manager. And now Mike Matheny. And now we're seeing Brad Ausmus. So here's my take. Is he going to be successful? We'll go to Harry and then we'll go right to Austin. What do you think, Harry? Good hire, bad hire? I don't like it. No managerial experience, though. Do you have a problem? I love it. And one of the reasons I love it, it's an elephant in the room, is because the guy is a stallion. He is easy on the eyes, and I yeah. like that about him. I, Faith I'm likes not, that. I'm I like not that against a lot. That. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. He's a great-looking dude. But also, he finished his career ranked third in Major League history in putouts as a catcher. So that's that, impressive. Getting people out, that's baseball. That's mental. That's, that's a baseball mind right there. So he obviously has a high IQ for the game. And also... Dave Dombrowski had nothing but good things to say. He said he came into the interview with Brad Osmus thinking he was a pretty good pretty good prospect for the job, but then after the interview he said he was blown away. And Dombrowski is a guy who 
he has been here when the Tigers hit their low in 2003 when they only had 43 wins. Yeah, it was embarrassing. And now we've had three AL Central pennants in a row. So the guy knows what he's doing as a, as a general manager. So I trust him, and I trust his decision-making 100%. You mentioned it. Dombrowski has really seen the highs and lows in this roller coaster. That season that Harry just mentioned, 119 losses. Just let that sink in now. Look at his tenure right now. Pretty successful. Three straight ALCSs. He hires this guy, Goodman. I personally, like I've mentioned, I'll reiterate, I do like the hire because I'm letting the panelists express their opinion as we embrace the Spartan debate. Goodman, do you like the hire? Do not like the hire? And is no managerial experience to your precious Tigers a problem? My precious Tigers could not be managed by really any other team in my eyes in this generation of the team that we have right now except for Jim Leland, yeah. unfortunately. It's, <laughs> it really does suck that Jim is gone. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Brad Osmus, we don't know what he's capable of. I do like the fact that Dombrowski trusts him, that he got him so early, and that Dombrowski, the Tigers organization, and the rest of the Detroit community really puts an emphasis on trust. We always have to trust Ken Holland, Dombrowski, Illich, Ford, all of these people that make the high-end decisions. They have requested our trust in the past generation. Let me follow up with this question. Do you trust Dave Dombrowski? Yes. So that being said, should we all be accepted, acceptable about this hire? Is this hire okay? I don't. I still. So don't, you're just un- honestly. I'm just unsure. Nobody knows what, what he is actually capable of. And if you think you do, you don't because he's never been a manager before. All right. So let's take it back a quick second. Will he be able to do it? We don't know. Does he have the the personality of a manager, the looks of a manager. He's a stallion. He's a stallion. For face breath over there. (laughs) (laughs) But we really need to evaluate the fact, trust in our sports, trust in our Lions, trust in our Red Wings, and trust in our Tigers. Trust in our Dombrowski. Let's make this work, hopefully. I really, really think that Dombrowski knows what he's talking about, but we need to wait and see. I'll say this from a non-Detroit fan perspective. I personally am a baseball guy. I do like the hire, and I'll tell you why I like the hire. Forget that he looks like a stallion. I know that's Faith. I know Harry. You guy thinks he looks great, and guess what he does? Good-looking guy. But the thing I'm going to say is this. The reason why I love the hire is plain and simple. Harry mentioned it. His putouts, the knowledge of the game. You know, Jimmy Price said it very well, and, you know, Lou mentioned it. Guess what? The guy, catchers are geniuses, and I like it. And I would argue this. Alex Avila maybe wouldn't last that long if his daddy wasn't in the front office. But I'll also say that, too. Listen, Brad Osmus is your guy, and he is your guy. And I remember, you know, they interviewed him just after his interview. Ironically, they interviewed him after an interview with Dombrowski, and they asked him, how'd it go, Brad? And he went pretty well, and he had a smirk on his face. And it's almost in that moment right there, he knew he was going to be hired for the job. And that's very interesting. I think you've got to trust your GM. Austin mentioned it. You gotta trust Illich. You gotta trust Ford. You need to touch, you know, trust Dombrowski. You need to trust Kenny Holland. These are the guys that are entrusting Detroit franchises. Do you trust Joe Dumars? That's another debate. But the thing is simple: is I'm trusting Dave Dombrowski. You do not get to three straight ALCSs by accident. And I think the young infusion of this team is really gonna carry them forward. And is gonna be the hump fo- that they're gonna need to really regenerate themselves. Listen, Jim Leland, we can all agree here unanimously that this guy is a Hall of Famer. This guy is one of the most classy. He's one of the best managers to ever manage this game. I think that's, we can, that's not embracing nothing. But I'll say this. One last parting thought about it is, and we'll get faith in one last term. Ah, we'll chirp in everyone. 
But you know what? I'll say this. He's the manager in the job. I don't have a problem with it. And is it spring training yet? I'm excited to see what the Tigers do in the offseason, how their hot stove is, and we'll debate it all offseason long and what the Tigers do, and we'll go forward with it, Faith. See, I trust Dombrowski, and right now I don't trust Osmus right now. Just We just up. don't know. Yeah, because we have to wait till you know we actually get a season to see where he actually falls. But still, I think he does have a good knowledge going along with what Harry said. He's young. He is in the mindset of a player, so he understands what's going out on the field. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. And listen, Osmus is the guy. We'll have to see. I'm excited for Ready for Spring Training Detroit. That being said, all this talk of Kenny Holland has made me excited. Well, let's talk a little Detroit Red Wings. We haven't really... I know Austin is grinning. He loves it. But here's the thing. We haven't really spoke a lot about Detroit. We'll recap this. Last seven games for Detroit, they're three and four. They lost four in a row, but they win three in a row now. So everyone's jumping off a cliff in Detroit. I understand it's hockey town, but relax, Detroit Red Wings fans. Your team is very good. The Devils are terrible. I'm sitting in the basement of these. Welcome to the Eastern Conference. You've won three straight games. Goodman, what do you see so far about the Wings, and what don't you like? All right, there. I could, I could talk for days about the Red Wings, but I'm going to tone it down a little bit for right now. First things first, our penalty taking this season has been atrocious. All right, we spend way too much time protecting our goalie on the penalty kill, and that is not Red Wings hockey. We are the team that makes other people make mistakes. We have the players from the NHL. We have NHL superstars in Pavel Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg. Daniel Alfredson, Todd Pertuzzi, all of these big names that just make you miss every single time. We have a star-studded goalie in Jimmy Howard, and we have Ken Holland, Mike Babcock, and then Illich at the top of it all. Everybody needs to understand that no matter what kind of losing skid the Red Wings go on, they're a playoff team. They are a franchise, and yes, they do absolutely always know what they are doing. That's the knickknack about Detroit is they're always winning, Goodman. And I think that's something we have to deflect on is we understand Detroit hockey. We understand how they play, how Kenny Holland, of course, Mike Babcock, really. And this is what you got to understand about the Detroit Red Wings is if you don't make the playoffs, it's not a successful season. But Detroit, it's all about Lord Stanley. you got to win this. Last time Detroit won was, what, 09? 08. Yeah, 08. They lost in 09. I keep mm-hmm. forgetting they should have won that cup. They really that's should right. have. But that's the thing. We have to really understand how Detroit plays. But, real quick, we got a caller. Let's take him right now. You're live on the pack. This is Fino and his panelists. What is up? Hi, this is Brett calling in. Brett, what's going on? Hey, uh, I just want to talk about the Brett Osmus hiring. Yeah, no problem. What you got? I think it's a great hiring, actually. Um, in my opinion, catchers are the smartest guys on the baseball field. Uh, they're... Uh, like you mentioned, Mike Messini's had great success. He's pretty young. And uh, Brett Osmus, I think he's played 18 years. And he's been, so I just think he's been there, seen everything, and uh, I really trust him here. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I think the Brad Osmus hiring is great. Now, as a Detroit, I assume you're a Tigers fan. Now, let me ask you this. Are you, are you worried about no managerial experience? Are you worried about really what he's done on the major league level compared to what can he do on the tiger for the tigers you know i am i am but um at the same time i think that uh we have enough uh star power and better presence i think the impact of victor martinez and the clubhouse will help a lot and uh, our guys have been there and i don't really think to be honest the manager really will have that much of an impact as far as how players performance goes 
maybe when it comes to uh, putting a pitcher in this situation or pinching in here. But uh, besides that, I think, I mean, I don't think you can really screw up a team with this much talent. I, I couldn't agree more, and thanks so much for the call. I mean, you can't really disagree with how Osmus could impact the Tigers. I think the Tigers are going to be kind of at a level where you don't know, but three straight ALCSs, I think we've agreed on this before, this infusion is what the team needs. It's what the team needs. But, you know, not to sidetrack, we were talking a little wings, so we're going to bring back the wings. We're going to bring Lou Divizio in on this one. Is Okay, so Goodman mentions what he sees about the wings. I'm totally not sold on the wings yet this season. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sold on them. Okay, I think they've lost four games and games they should have won. I think the Rangers are terrible this year. They lose to them in overtime. And that's a game they shouldn't have back. But they win three, Lou. So not too not too crazy in hockey town? I don't think there's any room, reason for concern right now. Uh, I think these West Coast trips, especially to northern Canada there, when you hit Vancouver, probably the best team out west, maybe as a whole other than San Jose right now. Vancouver, we get a 2-1 win. That's huge. Going to Calgary, 4-3. Calgary's a team... Not a lot of people expected them to do very well this year, but they're a hard-working team. They Coach, are. Coach they are. Bob Hartley over there, he gets everything he can out of his players. And to go in there, that's a character win. Then go to Edmonton, 5 nothing. Darren Helm gets his first goal in his first game back. That's huge. That's huge. But Edmonton, they're, they're a team in a lot of hurt right now. But Detroit, I think this trip's going to be good for them. And historically, after these trips out west, you know, we get away from home. Detroit gets away from home. They take some time on the road, get a few wins. When they come back, they got a homestand coming up. Historically, they've been very good after these trips, and I'm looking for that to happen. And you mentioned a homestand. So, you know, after the Wings play tonight in Winnipeg, they're home to Dallas on Thursday. They're home to Tampa on Saturday. Winnipeg comes to the Joe on Tuesday, and they have a till with Washington. I'm personally very excited for the following Friday. So, you know, Harry, you know, the Wings are 6-2-2 in their last 10. You know, I talked to some Wings fans. I want to jump off a cliff. I'm like, this is what goes on in Detroit? I mean, no need to worry. I still I still don't get the hype, but mm-hmm. I still think it's Lord Stanley's or bust in the D. It is. It is. And honestly, I'm philosoph- philosophically Good word. objected <laughs> from talking about Red Wings in the regular season. We're 15 games into an 82-game season. You talked about the expectations. We have a 22-year streak in the playoffs. And we also talked about trusting our franchises. I trust that the Detroit Red Wings are going to get to the playoffs because that's what they do. That's literally all they know. So I'll start talking about the Red Wings when we get to the playoffs, when we get into the conference championship, the semifinals. But for right now, Lil Wayne said it best. I ain't got no worries. (laughs) Lil Wayne's got a lot of words, and worries (laughs) are a few of them. Now, I'll say this, though. So like we mentioned, Detroit, 6-2-2 in their last 10. I'll ask Faith the same thing I asked Harry. Now, what are the expectations for Detroit? Obviously, I've mentioned mine. It's 15 games in for them at an 82-game season. Completely premature. You have that Olympic break, though, all in February, which will break things up and make it very interesting. Usually, historically speaking, Olympic seasons are usually ones that require tremendous stamina. Absolutely, but I have no worries to the Red Wings. I think they're going to go far, and uh, I think Helm coming back is one of the biggest things. Yeah, you love Helm. I love Helm. He's fast, he's strong, quick, and I think they definitely missed him last year. They missed him. Yeah, I mean, they definitely missed him. He's a great player. you got to get this guy to come back, Lou. Yeah, you do, and I think the number one thing, if you look at every Stanley Cup winner, every contender from... Ever, really. Yeah. The number one thing is that third-line checking center. And Darren Helm is that checking center. You look at Boston. You look at Chicago. Yeah. They've got that third-line presence down the middle. 
that can play against the other team's top line, shut them down, and produce at times also. And I think Helm's that guy. Yeah, I think that goes unnoticed. As last year, Detroit really missed Darren Helm. And you can, guys, if you're watching Detroit's games, you can feel that void. You can feel the void that they're missing that third. And you mentioned it, Lou, that third line center that really grinds gears, gets down on the puck, four checks well, and does the right thing. Goodman, I personally like Helm. Faith loves Helm. I like him. But that's the thing. He's a good player, but is this the X factor Detroit needs to kind of push him to the next level almost? There are a couple X factors that Detroit needs, and they are starting to put those things together. Is Helm one of them? Yes, absolutely. Had to ask. Understand, the, Darren Helm is on the fourth line. He's a fourth line center right now. He will be pushed up to the third line. I see him as a third liner, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he naturally could even be a second or first liner on any other team in the NHL. Second line, let's not push it. I mean, he is one of the fastest players there are. I don't know if you saw the game against Edmonton <laughs> when he scored his snapshot goal. He's quick, he, he's quick. He just blows people away. He is that much quicker than a lot of other people in quicker the NHL. Quicker than Jonathan Quick. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> like that. You know, Jonathan Quick is a great goalie, but Darren Helm will slip that puck past him, and I see it happening in this season. Darren Helm is going to have one of the biggest impacts, but another player that people forget about, to replace Jordan Tutu on that fourth line and really round everything out, we have a player in Gustav Nyquist. He plays for the Grand Rapids Griffins right now. He came up, he was playing on our first line last season. Yeah, I was going to say, I mentioned Nyquist did play on the wings last year. Exactly, and you know... Played reasonably well. Exactly. We're giving a lot of people opportunities right now, and this is the Red Wings tactic every single year. We start with the veterans in and we let the younger guys take their positions and see who can play where because it is a long season. A lot of people get hurt. Right now we have Danny DeKaiser on the back end. We have Adam Elmquist who's debuting tonight who is a phenomenal defenseman and I think he's going to keep his spot. I, I don't know who's he, who he's going to push out exactly but he's a great player and deserves to have a back end spot. Our third line a bunch of young guys, Anderson, Tatar, Ablocator, our fourth line, Miller, Helm, Tutu, hopefully being replaced by Nyquist. We have so many weapons that nobody even notices. Nobody. That's a that's a thing, and we'll do one quick round table, because I'm curious to know, just a very premature 15 games in, so, you know, 15 games of any two, as we mentioned before, I just want to go around and say, how many points do you expect the Wings to to have this season. I mean, is it a President's Cup year for Detroit? Harry, do you, any idea? I personally see the Wings at around 97 points to finish out. They're not, I don't, I can't see them breaking 100. I see 97. Yeah, I'd put them around that 95 area too. We don't really know yet, obviously, because it's and, so early. But And the reason why I'm saying it is because I, I, I can envision maybe Jimmy Howard starting for Team USA, and he's going to play the bulk of the games mm-hmm. for you know USA. So that's going to toll him. And I'm not really sure. I know this guy had a clean sheet, their backup, but I'm really unsure. So you, I say 97, you say 95. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Goods? It's so hard to tell. I don't look for the President's Trophy, but what I can tell you is that we're going to be Either one or two in the Eastern Conference, and I can—I really cannot tell you about a President's Trophy because so a hundred points over uh, under a hundred points. Uh, probably under 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 F- faith. Let's say like 98, 99. All right, so under. you're right on that. You're right on that cusp. Absolutely. Under Lou, what do you think? Over under hundred. Eh. Right on the cusp, but under for sure. And yeah, so, I do want to—I do want to throw in. I do not believe Jimmy Howard's going to play the majority of the games. You don't think USA. so? Oh, Jonathan you, Quick has. That oh, spot Corey Schneider, up. you're right. Jersey, uh, <laughs> you like that? Yeah. But I do think John. We mentioned Jonathan Quick. You know, quick recap: Jonathan Quick, Jimmy Howard, Corey Schneider, and we're not even mentioning Ryan Miller. Safe to say he's done. 
USA has got a great goaltending situation. I think it's pretty reasonable that Team USA, for no reason, they can't go into Sochi and get that gold. I think Team USA grabs that gold. We'll debate that a little bit, and we'll talk about the hazing and bully segment after the break. You're listening to Fino on the Pact, along with the panelists. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree falling. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. Aw, come back, cuddle bunny. You need help. 88.9 The Impact. Now back to Impact Exposure. That is right, Impact Exposure. It's the Pact. We're here. I'm Fino alongside with the panelists, Harry, Austin, Fate, and Lou. Shard behind the glass as usual, our executive producer. But guys, a very disturbing thing happened in the NFL uh, this past week and the following, you know, the week after that. You know, Richie Incognito was suspended indefinitely by the Dolphins for people that are not watching the news, but he was suspended indefinitely by the Dolphins by harassment and bullying over teammate Jonathan Martin. And it's it's some pretty interesting stuff, and it's some pretty scary stuff, if you want my honest opinion. And we'll debate whether bullying and hazing has a place in professional sports. But before we go into that, I kind of want to read, you know, I want to have our listeners know this little timeline of Richie Incognito's events at college and so-and-so. So I'm going to read those quickly. You know, spring of 2003, Richie Incognito was at Nebraska. He was a Cornhusker. I'm suspended by Nebraska head coach Frank Solich, reinstated the prior season. Solich leaves. Bill Callahan comes in. Okay, so June 2004, convicted of a misdemeanor assault charging stemming from incident at party in February in Lincoln. September 2004, the following season, suspended indefinitely by Nebraska coach Bill Callahan for repeated violations of team rules. October 2004, he transfers to Oregon in September, but dismissed from the team in October. So... Disgraceful wasn't even in the Oregon football program for a month. 2009 season, so now we're kind of fast-forwarding to the NFL. Voted NFL's quote-unquote dirtiest player in the poll of NFL players by Sporting News. December of 2009 was released by the Rams two days after being penalized twice for a personal foul and arguing with then-head coach Steve Spagnuolo during a game against the Titans. December of 2011, uh, 2011, Raiders defensive tackle Richard Seymour Find $30,000 for punching Cognito during a game. August 2013, so this preseason, Texas um, Texans defensive end Antonio Smith suspended for week one for a swinging helmet 
incognito during game. And this just happened October 2013, suspended indefinitely by the Dolphins after alleged harassment of teammate Jonathan Martin. So, guys, we've heard the many events. There's nine There's nine instances. This is a reoccurring case in sports. It's, Lou, I personally, I personally don't like it, but we talk about it. This is a guy that harassed and hazed. This goes on in professional sports, hazing and bullying. But I will ask you, does hazing and bullying, are, is there a difference, A, and B, is there a place for this in professional sports to this day? Well, I want to start out by saying it's quite a rap sheet for a guy with a name like that. It's kind of ironic, you know, but uh, <laughs> but I do think that there's there's a place. I think hazing and bullying are a different thing. What is going on with this is so far across the line. It, it's I, unbelievable. It really, really is there's unbelievable. N- we can, de- you know, there's no need to debate here. I think everyone has seen the messages. They're too profane to say on air, but we'll all say this. There is no place for that in any sport, in any league, in any conversation, Lou. Well, just for the uh, the listeners here, uh, just to make sure they know, he threatened to slap the player's mom yeah. across the face, defecate in his mouth, kill him, and uh, call him a racial slur. Yeah. All in voicemail to your yeah. teammate. And I mean that's I mean that's not hazing. That's that is the definition of harassment. I don't even know what that is, but whatever that is called, there's no place for that. There's in no sports, place for it in life, society, life, and sports. And that's something that's not embracing anything. That is just understanding principles of life, Harry. There is just simply no place for this. But I'll kind of going back with my question to Lou was, do you, is there a difference between bullying and hazing? A and B, what do you think about these allegations? In my mind, there's definitely a difference between bullying and hazing. Okay. Bullying, to me, is just breaking somebody down for the sole point to break them down. But hazing is breaking them down to build them up. On the tennis team, we have traditions where the freshmen, the younger guys, will pick up balls after practice. They carry their waters. So it's small things like that where they're just paying their dues. The, the older guys had done it. The older guys gain respect because of the freshmen and younger guys are se- seeing that they're committed to this team. They're committed to doing what it takes to earn the guys' respect, earning your stripes on the team. And what Richie Incognito doing was doing was absolutely not hazing. He was bullying. He was harassing. And what he was saying is unbelievable. I can't believe that a person in this day and age would say something like that and just be that ignorant with his slurs, with his name-calling, insulting the guy's mom, stuff like that where it's not okay. It's not okay to do that. And Jonathan Martin is a guy who graduated from Stanford. His dad graduated from Harvard. So you know he's got a square head on his shoulders. And for something like this to affect him that much, it had to be some serious stuff, probably even more than what's being reported. You know, just to reiterate for our listeners, Harry, of course, one of our panelists, is a member of the MSU varsity tennis team. So he sees it from an NCAA perspective, from an athlete perspective. So we're privileged enough that we have one of our own giving us an insight in such an instance. And Faith, I know, you know, you had a strong opinion on the matter. You know, what do you think about all this? I mean, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here. And I kind of was bullied in high school. Not to this, like, crazy extent. But, yeah, I feel the exclusion, the talking about, you know, all that stuff. But... I do believe Martin's getting bullied at this point. It is absolutely horrific. I mean, he sits at a table, his team gets up and leaves, and they consider it a joke, or they say they didn't know. But what's, not, not to cut you off, but yeah, of course. What, no, what is crossing the line here? I think that's something that is a debate right now as we, as we embrace the Spartan debate really is, what is crossing the line? What is over the top? The intent of being mean, really wanting to hurt someone, hurt their emotional well-being, physically, either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, but 
Let me ask, is this hazing? Is this bullying? Is this both? Are they the same thing? I see this more along the bullying lines okay. rather than hazing. I mean, I get the whole hazing perspective because, like, people will go along with hazing because they feel like they'll look up to their elders and they'll be like, well, you know, we went through it. You know, it's part of camaraderie. But that also, I'm a little bit shaky on that even. But you never know what happens behind closed doors. I agree. That's what the, you know, the you know Harry mentioned it. That is the continuity of the team. Picking up balls after practice. Harry mentioned it off air. Just carrying some waters to the to the court. But... I'll open this up to the panelists here, guys. Is just okay. Bullying absolutely is not acceptable in life, in school, in, in in a locker room. But what about hazing? Does hazing have a purpose? Does does it serve a place in a team? Is it used for a bonding? I know, Lou. I know you had a strong opinion. I'm really curious for you to share that with the viewers. Yeah, I, I think listeners. that I think that it does have a place with the team. I know. Uh, before the top of the show, I mentioned to you guys when we were prepping here um, in the NHL. A thing that they do, one of the most notable things, is a guy, the rookie, his first game at home, he'll walk up, skate out to the ice, and the captain or somebody else, a veteran, will stop him and stop the rest of the team and let the rookie do a lap by himself. In front of like 20,000 people? In front of 20,000 fans in his home rink, his first game. And I think that that's just kind of a metaphor for I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to battle for your team. Even if it's me by myself, I'm here for this team. And I, I, th- I think that that's a good bonding experience. So just to, just to cap off that is, so you're okay with that? I am absolutely okay with that. Faith, what about you? See, Lou, my question is, though, is that you let a guy skate around the rink alone. It's kind of embarrassing. Why would you want to break down your team? Isn't your team supposed to support you? Aren't they supposed to be, I don't know, like companions? I don't think it's at all breaking down the team. I think that you, you're the new guy. You need to prove yourself to them. And we're all together. And we want to know, are you going to go out and do this for us? Are you going to be able to be embarrassed for a split second? After that lap, once that lap's done, you're back. You, you, you've never left the team, but you're back with that team, and you've gained so much more respect. I guess I don't understand how you get respect from making someone feel embarrassed. That's just my take. You have to get out of your – when you see someone, like I said, about being with your teammates, when you do something you don't want to do for your teammates – that's what gains respect for it. I mean, Harry didn't mention something, though. Harry said it's about earning your stripes. And I'm quoting Jimmy Connors over here. And mm. I'm, I'm saying this. He's, you know, he's not as vicious. But Harry did say is earning your stripes. So I open this up. Is that earning your stripes right there? Is that earning your stripes? Absolutely I, it is. I, I mean, I think it is personally. I do also. And also, I think it also promotes humility within the younger guys on the team. Because they come in, maybe they think they're hot shots or not, but they have to do things like carry around a pink backpack, and it makes them look stupid, but it also teaches them to laugh at themselves and not take themselves too seriously. So the veteran guys who have also gone through that process can start building from the ground up after that. I think that's it's a good process It's a bonding for a team. experience. And it's also when you're doing it with other young guys, you, you're, you're complaining about it together, you hate it, but it brings you guys closer together. It gives you something in common to talk about. Hey, remember that time when we did blah, 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 blah. But yeah, no, it's good. And also another aspect of this, how about University of Nebraska football not being represented very well in, in the NFL today? And Dominican Sung graduated in 2010 from Nebraska, and he's also constantly in the news for being a quote-unquote dirty player. We've had that argument. But it's not resetting a good light on Nebraska football. Richie Incognito obviously graduated from Nebraska in 2005. So just wanted to throw that out there, Nebraska football. Little dirty wow. players in the NFL. Goodman, you've been a little too quiet in this debate, and that usually <laughs> scares me personally because when Goodman is quiet, everyone, it usually means two things. Watch out, and he's got something up his mind, and I want to hear it. All right. So I've been waiting a long time. You um, have been. And I, Here you go. I just want to say, 
hazing and bullying are two way different things. Okay. And they're are taken a little bit too harsh sometimes. All right, the word hazing, you know, that, that it sounds threatening, it sounds scary. If you are quote unquote hazing people in your organization, who actually thinks that it's being productive? Nobody really does. But if you've gone through it, if you've been through every single step of the way and you evaluate the values that you have gained, then that's when it all comes and it makes sense. But for me, you absolutely never trash anybody's family. You absolutely never trash anybody's religion. You absolutely never trash anybody's per that's their person. That is who they are made up with, made up by from the core. You cannot absolutely no matter what and this person is in the national spotlight. They are looked upon by many, many people. No matter what your age is, you are looked at and you are it is clearly shown the disrespect the immaturity and the negativity that he throws towards this player. It kind of goes back to what I was kind of conversing with Faith. What is across the line? Is you mentioned it. That is across the line here, Lou. That is across the line here, Harry. I mean, what is across the line? What is that? I think it crosses the line when you can noticeably tell that the teammate that you're pressuring, that you're hazing, whatever you want to call it, is noticeably fearful. And I think that that had been the case in this situation for a long time. And you see Incognito did not stop. He kept going. And that's, that's where the line is. It, when, if, if a teammate says, oh, you know, I don't want to do this, you say, too bad, you know, you're going you're gonna to still go out and do this. But once they become fearful and their personality changes and they start just growing into a shell, then that's when you've got to go up that's to That's when you've got to stop, really. Absolutely. That's when it stops, and that's when the line is crossed. Where's the judgment here, Harry? I mean, you've got to understand what's okay, what's not okay. Exactly, exactly. And obviously you have to do it. Case by case scenario, some some guys you can push harder than other guys. Other guys you don't want to push as hard. And also, Goodman said that hazing is taken too seriously. I don't mind the fact that the the media is all up on hazing because it is such a thin line, and you don't know. You're kind of playing with fire when you do it. So I can completely understand why all these media outlets and players and and teammates and stuff like that are all over it because it is a dangerous situation if it goes too far, and it is a very thin line. You have to have the right people in charge, though. You have exactly. to have the right people that are there making those decisions when mm-hmm. all that is happening there's proper ways to handle rituals and then there are improper ways to handle rituals i mean there's a lot of things we can debate here guys is that there is a fine line between hazing there is a fine line between bullying but we can agree that yes maybe hazing or doesn't faith deserve its <laughs> its place in the nfl tiger's got a new manager it's brad osmus so we'll look to see what he can do Michigan State's got a bye. They're 8-1. They're 5-0 in the Big Ten, sitting very pretty at the top of the Legends division. For Austin, Harry, Faith, and Lou, I'm Fino, of your host of the pack, here every Monday from 7-8. It's 88.9 FM WDBN East Lansing. We'll see you next Monday.